All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, we're really excited to be here, uh, really excited for a very special guest on this particular episode. She is the queen herself, Jenna Garcia, at Vita Viva Diva on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to go give her follows over there. Jenna and I have been working together for a long time. I've known Jennifer even longer. And it always feels like we're we're having great conversations uh, offline. We're talking at practice. We're hanging out. And I haven't had you on the live show yet. And I think that everybody deserves to, to be able to say hello to the wonderful Jenna Garcia. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Jenna, how are you doing on this fine Thursday? I appreciate you having me, letting me join the live situation is a little bit stressful, not gonna lie, but I'm like so excited for you that you're doing this now and so glad to be a part of it for a little bit of time today. It's gonna be great and and we're gonna have fun with it. The most important thing is to have fun with these. And I do think that like we've got some good content, obviously an off day for the Nuggets. They haven't played in a couple days now, but we got to go to practice, we got to, uh, see what was going on with the team. We got to see Zeke Naji at practice today. I thought that was interesting. He was shooting a little bit. Uh, Michael Malone spoke. Bruce Brown spoke. We were going to have some general takeaways from that in the, thir- the first segment, and we will enjoy that. And then I really wanted to get you on to preview the Memphis game tomorrow, which I think obviously won one both sides. Uh, we are going to see how that goes on Friday, but – Going to be able to talk about uh, just everything that goes into that matchup, including things from the betting side. And then we'll do NBA and Nugget storylines in the third segment, which should be very good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But first, let's go over Nuggets practice. Obviously, Michael Malone spoke. Bruce Brown spoke. Uh, you were there today. You you got the general vibe. How would you assess the general vibe of practice today after everything kind of going pretty well? Um. I guess it felt pretty relaxed, pretty relaxed for this time of year. I was trying to think back when we got the notification about practice, trying to think back to prior seasons. And I don't really feel like they were practicing much. Like at this time of year last year, you know, the injuries, there was a lot of exhaustion from the playoff runs back to back. Um, So it was kind of nice to see him practice today. I felt like, oh, this is fun to actually get in touch with them on a practice level when typically we probably wouldn't. So it felt it felt pretty relaxed to me. What about you? I felt pretty good. It, it, it was nice to see them go through some shooting drills. Uh, I saw a lot of those guys kind of pop in and out of those shooting drills. Uh, I, I saw DeAndre Jordan splashing threes today, which was awesome. That was great. Uh, he's 100% from three on the season, everybody. Don't ever let anybody forget it. Uh, he's the best three-point shooter on the team, of course, because of that stat. Um, and like he was splashing threes today as part of the the shooting drills, which was pretty cool. But uh, got to see Reggie Jackson going, got to see uh, obviously Zeke Naji being back and kind of in the process of those shooting drills. Very, very good. He's obviously he's been on ice for a while. Uh, not necessarily sure what his status is going to be for the rest of the season, but I got to imagine Jenna that this would be it would be really helpful to get back Zeke Naji just to see what you have right before the playoffs. Yeah. You know, in last practice, come to think of it, I saw he, you know, he was fully wrapped on that shoulder. So it's hard to wonder, especially with the comments from 
Calvin Booth that we heard last week, whether that's going to happen or not. I think it sounds like to me, like they're planning on moving forward without Zeke in the picture right now, which is unfortunate for his career at this time. But, you know, he, he's going to be a great player. We'll, we'll be able to see more of him in a different situation. And it maybe makes the makes the situation a little bit easier for Michael Malone when it comes down to deciding who's actually getting minutes um, late in the season and in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I was not super impressed with Thomas Bryant over the course of these last few games. I think that there's still room for him to grow. Uh, plus minus isn't everything. He, he, it hasn't really been that bad over the course of these last four or so while, while Reggie Jackson has been in the lineup. But it does feel to me like Zeke could still be helpful with that group. I'm not sure if that's the way that they want to go. I'm not sure if they, they kind of want to upset the apple cart right now with the, the chemistry that they're building. But it, it would be interesting. If, if he was able to get back into the picture, but uh, we, we'll see. We didn't even really get a good answer from Malone on, on Zeke's status going forward, but assuming that that's not really a part of the conversation, there were some other things that I thought Michael Malone said today that were really fascinating. One of those was about sacrifice in general and just how the team as a whole has sacrificed Jamal Murray, if he was on a different team without Jokic, I think would put up more points. I think he giving the ball up and sometimes not getting it back, I think there's there's no doubt that he would he would have more points in a different situation. Michael Porter would become a role player, and I think that he could score more points in a different situation. He is fully bought into his role and has sacrificed in general. And Michael Malone made the point today, and, and I know you have thoughts on this too, that everybody has to sacrifice in order for the team to win a championship. And I, I really do think that the Nuggets have, have shown that this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think Malone did speak a little bit on this in his remark about, well, about sacrifice. He talked a little bit about the trade and about guys buying in. And if you really look deep into like, <coughs> excuse me, deep into Nuggets, videos from the past and interviews over the past couple years Aaron Gordon commented on this like last year when he was giving advice to young players he talked about how um you need to be on a team that's all pushing in the same direction right right <coughs> excuse me and it's kind of the same situation in the now you know when you're we're listening to this Nuggets team and I hear these same different ways of saying the same thing right which is that they're all pushing in the same direction. I think it took guys like DeAndre Jordan, guys who are vets who really have a reason to kind of say like, no, I've played longer. Like I deserve first choice, you know, first minutes at this, who like stepped aside and set the example there. And I think that's why you've heard Malone comment about DeAndre Jordan and Ish Smith and some of those older guys in the locker room who have been around for a little bit. He's really talked about them a lot and how much that impact has been on the team. And he talked about it today. Like you, you talked about. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, basketball is a team sport, you know, it does matter which five is on the floor at the same time and whether that functions together. And we see that all the time. We see that with Russell Westbrook all the time, right? It does matter what five and the chemistry and the willingness to maybe let go of a part of your game so that the rest of the team can reach its end goal. And and 
like you said, we, we saw a lot of that with Mike. We saw a lot of that with Jamal. We've seen a lot of that. Like, he actually credited Jamal. You, you asked a really good question today about Jamal and his decision-making. And, and in that moment where he had 16 points in the first quarter, Michael Malone was so proud of him for the way that he set up a teammate, set up Bruce Brown for a three in the corner. And I think that that's really prevalent for, for this particular part of the conversation because if – the Nuggets are going to win a title, they're going to have to make those plays and they're going to have to play for each other. They're going to have to bust their butts defensively. And this team hasn't always had that mentality before, but it just feels like they're more serious now. It feels like whatever it takes, it doesn't matter who scores. It does, And like Jokic is a part of this too, right? And, and he, he mentioned this today too, that Jokic, because he doesn't look for his own points, it presents that amazing, like non-stat padding uh, mode of operating with, with this team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is a really important part of decision-making, which is a piece that I think some people have criticized about this team. You know, will this team be able to make tough decisions and the right decision? You know, Nikola Jokic is going to Bruce Brown said that in his, um, when he was talking to media today as well, like, that he never feels like Nicola's stat padding. He feels like Nicola's always making the right play, even when that means he's getting open shots. That's just how efficient this team and this offense is working. And what are they not supposed? What are they going to do? Not shoot those shots? That's crazy. Of course they're going to take that shot. So it's just a testament to how great this team is and their willingness to sacrifice for each other for Jamal to have 16 points and still make the choice to give it to another player. Just because I'm, you know, maybe you see that a little bit in Bones. We saw that this year. You saw that in Jamal a little bit earlier. You saw that in MPJ a couple seasons ago. But I don't see as much of that those moments happening. You see a heat check from MPJ every once in a while. But yeah. it's not like it used to be. No, for sure. <laughs> you, you could tell exactly when MPJ was going to heat check. Uh, in yeah. prior seasons and it was it was always fun like you always enjoy those moments because it means that he had been doing really well up until that point but Michael Malone I'm sure was always a little bit nervous in those situations because you want to be instilling good habits you want to be playing basketball the right way and I really do think that with the way that Jokic has approached this season with the way that adding the veterans like you talked about KCP DeAndre Jordan everybody else involved it has been a big difference and Hey, we don't care who gets the credit here. It's not about any one person, even though it really to a lot of the national audience is all about Nicola, but yeah. I don't think Nicola views that way. So I don't think the nuggets actually view it that way either. Mm -hmm. So no, I agree. We will see. And I think that's part of winning the MVP. Nicola said that, right. He doesn't get that reward without his teammates. So he recognizes that as well. Um, what else was said today from Malone? Did you did you catch anything from Malone or, or from Bruce that, that we should go over? Um, I'm trying to think of, like, was there he, – he mentioned the Bruce Springsteen concert tonight that he was very disappointed he wasn't going to be able to attend. He he said he was focused very, very strongly on John Morant and, and, uh, and John Morant in transition, which I thought was pretty funny. He went back and forth with Harrison on that one. yeah. He talked a little bit about just the comments about the stat padding and that, you know, in his time of knowing Nikola Jokic, that that's all he can speak to, you know, that Nikola 
has never been a player who plays for himself, but plays for team. And this is a concept I think that a lot of people don't understand how ingrained it is when you are like a Euro player, right? He grew up on the, in the Euro circuit. There was a video that recently came out with clips of like Giannis when he was little, when he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an NBA player. And Jokic's biggest dream was like, maybe when they go to Yoke, you know, the clip is him saying maybe a good European team, a really big Euro team. So like, that's just like a really good example of how humble this guy is, you know? And Malone did talk a little bit about that and spoke to just how ridiculous the stat padding comments possibly are, but that, you know, the greats are always going to be critiqued that way. It's so funny. Like, I don't know what kind of basketball dreams Jokic actually has. I, I would imagine that it's winning the rings as it's winning the titles. And then it's winning a world cup for first team Serbia. And that's probably all he really cares about. If we're being honest, if you just boil it down to one or two things that he could say, like he doesn't care about being great. I don't think he, he doesn't care about that aspect of things, which I do think rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And, and we've seen that in a lot of the comments that have gone on nationally lately. So it's too yeah. bad that that has, has manifested in the way that it has, but I, I'm going to listen to Michael Malone on this one. He knows Jokic better than anybody, at least anybody that can really speak to this particular point of, of Jokic's game. Like how, how much of, how much of the early part of Jokic's like rise was centered around, oh man, we would really just love if he shot it more. Like he, he needs to be more selfish was, was part of the conversation with him. And oh, is it stat, is it stat padding to want to get your teams and your teammates involved? Like I, I just, that part of the conversation is just killer to me. Right. If it's stat padding because I'm passing and involving my teammates, making them more efficient players and winning basketball games, like we're all cool with it then. I'm fine with it. I guess I'm pro stat padding now. <laughs> I think, yeah, Malone did say that too, right? He's like, hey, he should stat pad more because we're 24-0 and when he gets a triple-double. Like, right. of course, of course you want that. You you want to have that level of success if you can get it. So, I, I don't know. Malone was pretty feisty today. It was a really good, it was a really good session. And I thought he gave some good quotes. Bruce, like, he, was, he was more about the, the avalanche and, uh, and uh, not necessarily anything in particular. But uh, I, I think that Bruce is going to be interesting in, in terms of how he, how he fits into what this bench is doing. I still have concerns on like those majority bench units. Like if, if uh, Jokic is off the floor, what does Bruce Brown look like with Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson and guys like that. But in my mind, like I, I it's, it's such a minor conversation, you know, like it's just, it's not as important in the grand scheme of things for Denver to me. Like it's the, the storyline for Denver from practice today is that they're, they're really freaking good and that they don't really have to care about much. Yeah. And yet they're, they're humble, right? They're saying like, all we're focused on is Memphis. And that's the message every single day we're focused on today. I try to tell people like, they really do try to live in the moment. And I think that that's like a mental health choice, right? For these guys to like genuinely just embrace one day at a time because it is a high pressure situation. And that doesn't mean that Yoke doesn't feel pressure to win a championship. I absolutely think he feels pressure. I think the whole organization feels like, dang, we're about to win a championship. It feels, that's how it feels when I walk in the room. It definitely oh, yeah. has a feel like, man, they don't really think that many people can stop them. 
No, and it's it's it is tangible. Like you can feel it mm -hmm. when you when you walk into that building, and that's always an exciting part of this. It's it's just a matter of fact way of going about things. Like they know how good they are, and yet they are very hesitant to talk about it in that regard. Like they know how quickly the rug can be pulled out from under them too, with uh, Jamal tearing his ACL a couple of years ago, the way that he did Mike, obviously going out with a back injury last year. Like there, there are ways that this can be completely flipped on its head. So it's, I, I think that that's why they're like, Hey, let's just go through the day. Let's just get through yeah. this singular day, this next game. And, and hopefully that's, uh, that's all they have to do. So um, anything else on practice today? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. Bruce is a lucky charm to the Avs, and he's got his own lucky charm, but you'll have to figure it out for yourself because we're not going to tell y'all. <laughs> Perfect. I Let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to see these guys get fined. That would be bad. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over – uh, Nuggets Grizzlies on Friday and do some betting stuff. Jenna's very into the betting side of things and knows her stuff. So let's uh, we're, we're going to go over that when we come back. But first, this podcast, as everybody knows, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head -head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boost and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app now or visit thesuperbook.com. And start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we're back. Dick Axon Roll, Ryan Blackburn here, joined by the esteemed Jenna Garcia. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love on the pod. Uh, if you can, it'd be awesome if you could subscribe to the channel. Give us a like. Uh, we, we just had a big thing come out lately that Swipe a Cam is going to be involved with MHS just a little bit more. Uh, really excited about some of the podcasts that we're going to be able to do with him. He's going to be on the show on Sunday uh, at noon, so make sure to set your calendars for then should be really, really good. But I've got Jenna here and we're going to have a good time. And we're going to talk about this Nuggets Grizzlies game on Friday, uh, Thursday night tonight, Friday when you may listen to or watch this show. Let's talk about the Grizzlies, Jenna, and let's talk about uh, the matchup that they had with Denver. Uh, these last two matchups that they've had first one at Denver, uh, obviously without Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and yet Denver still won that one, and they won it pretty convincingly. Then Denver goes on the road to Memphis, and it looks way worse. And <laughs> It looks like Denver maybe not necessarily engaged, maybe not necessarily fully invested in that particular matchup, but it still was like Memphis took them out of what they were wanting to do. So what are your takeaways initially from maybe those first couple of matchups and – do those kind of mean anything for this particular game on Friday? 
Well, I think back to the first one at home, just because this one will be in Denver as well. And they really shut down John Morant in that game. Um, he did not play very well. I thought they did a really good job on the boards in that game. And I do think that the home court advantage is a real thing this season. Denver is just so good at home that it's hard for me to bet against them when they're going to be, you know, at ball arena. When it comes right. to the second game, I feel like Denver kind of, kind of sold out on it a little bit. It was a little bit, there's a little bit of those Clippers at sitting at halftime vibe um, yeah. from Denver. I know they typically like, they don't do those kind of things. They play out and they'll play every game hard, but they were on the first night of a back to back. I think it did actually demonstrate just how much they're actually valuing health and prioritizing sitting their guys. If it's not necessary, it was a blowout. They haven't bl been blown out all year. It was like one major, you know, I don't think they have, I can't remember back to the beginning of the season, maybe, before Jamal was really in the lineup rotation consistently, but um, they really haven't been blown out all year. For the most part, the Nuggets cover the spread. So definitely kind of an outlier, if you ask me. I do think that this game um, is going to be more competitive than the first matchup in Denver. Yeah, I got to imagine, right? Like I, I remember back to that, that first game, and one of the reasons that Denver – was able to be so good against John Morant. They, they forced a lot of turnovers on him. Uh, it was because they were able to kind of crash the paint, not let him get anywhere. They played drop coverage with Jokic, if I recall, and and they just didn't really uh, – they, they kind of shrunk the floor a little bit, and they, they let the other guys take threes if they want to, and those guys didn't hit. They 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 were like four of twenty if I if I remember something something absurd like that where they just didn't really get a lot of spacing around him. Desmond Bain is back. Jaron Jackson Jr. playing really well right now. I got to imagine that their spacing will be a little bit better this time around. But I also think that when you're playing at altitude and you're playing a Denver team that is a little bit more focused in those situations then it's going to be harder for them to get those threes. It's going to be harder for them to space the floor around John Morant, which will make his life harder in turn. Uh, I think like you, that the first matchup, if the first matchup is probably a little bit more indicative of who they are than the second matchup. Like, I, I don't think the Grizzlies have their number. I, mm -hmm. I think that they just kind of like what you said, they kind of folded a little bit, didn't necessarily feel the need to go hard out of their way to, to go get that win. Yeah. Yeah. In this matchup, I have uh, Desmond Bain actually covering two and a half threes for that very reason. He's really the only guy who's shooting very well from three since the all-star break. So unless they just go off from three, I, I got to imagine that Denver covers the spread in this game. And when they cover the spread, they win. They And they win at home. So it's kind of silly to bet against the, the, the Nuggets in this one. If you really want to take Memphis, it's probably like you can probably get a great odds on the money line, so you might as well just take it straight up. Um, but you can always bet them live too if if you see them taking getting a little lead on Denver. But Denver also really covers the first quarter spread, especially in Denver. So um, if Memphis gets in this game, I would predict it come it happens in the second half of the game. Right. What do you think of? Uh... 
I think of Dylan Brooks guarding John Morant, or not guarding, uh, guarding Jamal Murray this time around. I think uh, I think he did a really good job in that second matchup. I don't know if he played in the first matchup. I, if I have to go back to it, I, I don't think that he did. But I, I, I uh, well, Jamal didn't even play in that one either. So I, I got to imagine that uh, the only time that we've seen Jamal go up against Dylan Brooks was this last time. And, and he looked a little bit bothered by the physicality in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And I don't really think it's worth, yes, this is an important game. Yes, this is probably their last, like, not their last, I would say their third to last really important game in my opinion. But at the same time, I don't really, I don't think the burden should come down to Jamal. Like I think he should take a page from Jokic's book and let the game just come to him. You know, if Dylan wants to be hella physical, then dish the ball. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is shooting outrageous out of his mind lately. Um, you know, and run that two game, two man game with Jokic. Jokic is going to do his his thing no matter what. But you now have Michael Porter Jr. who's shooting phenomenal. You know, and maybe Jamal just lets the game come to him because it did seem like it was getting a little bit physical for him, a little bit difficult. Not that I don't think he can do it. I just want him to save his gas for the postseason. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like I I got this question on an AMA actually that. Like what? What do you think of like how how seriously do you think Denver should compete down the stretch if it means they put their own players kind of at risk mm -hmm. uh, to getting injured down the stretch? And I, I think it's a great question because on one hand you'd want to go hard in a game like this, you'd want to really set the tone. And I think that Jamal playing in this last game against Houston, I think it really just shows his mentality at this point of hey, I got to get right, I got to get playing the way that I need to play and get ready for the playoffs that way. Yeah. I don't think he's going to rest that much. I, I think they're going to try to avoid resting him as much as like, if, if they possibly can. Uh, I don't think he was on the injury report tonight. And I think that uh, he will probably play. Like I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, but I, this is a matchup that he's going to have to be big in. Uh, if they are going to guard Jokic with both Jaron Jackson and the center, on the opposing team, then one, it makes AG really big in the matchup so that he could maybe space the floor a little bit better, maybe crash the glass a little bit. And, and then two, it, you, you've got to have Jamal, who's just going to have to be the good secondary scorer. So see if they can get through that. Um, what do you think of AG, actually? I, I know he's one of your guys. He's one of your favorite players uh, just in the way that he has a, a, approached this game. Denver had, like, they didn't have him in the last Memphis matchup. And I think that was a big deal. Vlaco just wasn't really uh, super impactful in that particular game. I think he airballed at least once. Uh, what do you think Aaron adds to this matchup? My boy Vlaco taking a stray, catching a stray here <laughs> for no reason. He's been good in his moments, in his moments, right? Now, you know, um, I think Aaron Gordon makes a huge difference when we're talking a physical matchup, like big, tough, stocky teams the Clippers there's a reason why he played in that game you know the Nuggets needed him they needed his body in the paint and whether he fouled out or not um he was an important part of that win you know he's the most efficient guy like the best net rating on the team his defense does impact winning if you look over the last 
um, five games, the last 10 games. Then you look at February, those games where he's out, you can see the Nuggets defensive rating fluctuate in those moments. There's a reason for that because he directly impacts their defense in a massive way. So absolutely. He's going to be key in this matchup. Um, I, I expect him to be big on the boards and, you know, I think he probably does get a handful of looks from Jokic, looks that Jokic would typically take, but I, I expect him to be getting the dish, you know, because of you know, them throwing different looks at Jokic. I think the guy who benefits most in that scenario is usually Aaron Gordon. Plus, he's right there, close to the basket. You know, I expect him to get uh, at least 10 points tomorrow night. I mean, I think his average is like 14 um, but his line is at t- 12 and a half. So uh, definitely I'm going over. Yeah, it just, he makes a lot of sense, especially they don't have Steven Adams. They're probably playing Xavier Tillman in his place to start against Jokic again. I can't imagine that Memphis is going to try to change much, but when you have Vlaco kind of spacing to the corner or spacing to the wing, instead of Aaron kind of putting pressure on the rim, that's what's going to help them get Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble. That's what's going to help them attack the paint and make things easier for the perimeter guys. So hopefully they can do that. Hopefully they can make it work. I think that Denver's just going to be more engaged in general in, in, in what they do, but we'll just have to see. Uh, do you have any X factors heading into this particular matchup? Uh, I honestly, it's MPJ for me. It's MPJ. I think, you know, he's on a great shooting streak. Obviously, I'll say this and then he'll go on a slump tomorrow. It'll be like, <laughs> I'm jinxing him because we have that thing, Ryan, where we jinx people oh, somehow. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, somehow. <laughs> he's been shooting really good. Uh, you know, I don't think that, I don't think that Memphis is the best three point defensive team that I've seen. I, I've seen him get really good looks and MPJ said it himself last week. You know, people are flying at him. He's barely getting a second with the ball in his hand and that, trigger is quick right now like I have seen him take a lot of good shots I'm probably not going to take his over on three specifically in tomorrow's game but the over on points just because of how much he's been attacking the basket I also think you know in this scenario with this specific matchup if he's cutting you know at the right time he can also be a huge benefactor um, against this Memphis team He wasn't good in the last matchup. I think he was like two of 10 and that one of seven from three. I can't imagine that happens again. Like that to me feels like a a weird thing that happened and not necessarily the thing that should happen going forward. But you never know. You never know. He's uh, he can be volatile at times, but I mean, that was like his one bad game in a string of really good games. So he's been great. He's been, he's been really fun. I've, 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 uh, kind of talked him up a lot on this podcast over the course of these past few weeks. He's just, uh, I have been really impressed with the way that he has stepped up to the plate. So we will see. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see what ultimately happens. This is a big game for Denver. This is one where if they win, they basically clinch first place. Uh, it, it would take a miracle for any team to really catch them at that point. I don't remember what the exact magic number is for, Uh, The top seed in the West. Let me just check that real quick in the standings just so I'm not looking like I'm dumb. Um, Denver is up by four games in the loss column, and Memphis could technically get to 59 still. So for Denver, their magic number is 16. 
But if they win tomorrow, it goes down to 13 because you get the Nuggets win, Grizzlies loss, and then you add the tiebreaker into that as well. So uh, it's a big game. It's it's one that if Denver does win, it will, I think, show a lot of people just how dangerous they can be, uh, whether, whether they show how dangerous they could be against the Suns. I, I think a lot of people are still are still questioning that matchup. But either way, uh, that's something I think to talk about in the third segment, right, Jenna? That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Let's uh, let's get to it when we come back on Pickaxe and Roll. Final segment, Big Axe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the pod. Make sure to go rate, review, and subscribe on the audio side. And on the video side, make sure to give this a like and make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've been doing some great stuff over here and would love to have your support. All right, Jenna. Uh, here with Jenna Garcia. Final segment here. Let's go over uh, any nugget storylines that you have in particular for the remainder of the season. I think I'll get us started off with one. I think that Reggie Jackson is the X factor for the rest of the year. The reason why is I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know whether it's going to be good. I don't know whether it's going to be kind of a little bit too slow to come along and then maybe not necessarily trusting him by uh, the, the actual playoff period. But is Reggie Jackson your X factor or is it somebody else, something else uh, that you're looking for for the rest of this year? Um, that's a great X factor. And I totally agree with you. Uh, it feels like it's not enough time to even know what we're going to see or be able to evaluate, but Reggie's, you know, a vet. I think he, he can acclimate, acclimate real quick. At least I hope so, you know, and what people say about him is that, you know, he's smart and fast learner. So hopefully he can show us exactly what we're going to get from him quicker than usual, but I totally can see how he could be your X factor. Personally, my X factor is health. Like if there's one thing that's haunting me in the back of my mind, you know, that actually like makes, stirs up some anxiety in me when it comes to this team, it's really health. Just because um, I think this team really, they care about winning night in and night out. It doesn't matter if it's the San Antonio Spurs. It doesn't matter if it's the Houston Rockets. They want that W, you know? And while I can totally admire the competitiveness, I also just, like, I don't know. You know, it just haunts me. It ha- The Jamal Murray injury haunts me. It oh, makes yeah. it, There's still some worry there. And I don't, I don't know if, if y'all agree, but... Um, it's definitely a little bit for me. That's the X factor, like ensuring that over this next slate of games that maybe shouldn't matter. You know, yes, they matter. We're not devaluing, like saying that these games don't matter at all. I'm saying, can we breathe after a win with Memphis enough? Can Michael Malone breathe enough to allow some of these guys to sit? And do they need to sit, or is it is it okay? Are they they're totally fine? Do you think they need to be in their rhythm? You know. <laughs> Big Honey says health concerns also haunt me, Jenna. And and yeah. I'm with you that like 
Look, Denver, they thought they had it made back in 2021 when they traded for Aaron Gordon. And there was a, a brief period there we call Nuggets Golden Age at that point, up until that point. And, and then Jamal tears the ACL and, and things just – it's like the rug gets pulled out from under you just right when you're about to sit down. So I got to imagine that Denver is thinking about that too. And, and you mentioned just how much to value the regular season. I think you're right that – they do value the regular season. They do care about these things, but they've put themselves into a great position now with, with this magic number that I just mentioned that mm -hmm. like, look, they don't have to worry about it too much. They don't have, like they've put themselves into that situation where they just have to clinch first place in the West and then they can be done. They don't like, they could do that with about a week and a half to two weeks to go in the regular season. If they wanted to, if things no, break their way, it's like two weeks. I know they don't have to. You know they don't have to. Yeah. They probably know they don't have to, and yet I still am not sure that they won't act like they have to. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Like, I, I got to imagine a hurricane coming in from the top rope here. Uh, I got to imagine that Denver, if they, if they have an opportunity to rest guys down the stretch, they will. They just will. They're not going to – put themselves into a position where something like what happened last year happened to them this year. Obviously like it's hard to control stuff like that, but I do think that they learned their mistake, like from their mistakes and they are going to not care about these matchups too much in the moment because they don't have to. And because they're playing the Eastern conference for like all of March, as you and I talked about exactly. earlier today. Exactly. No, I know. And I, and I hope that that, that is true. Like I hope, that this is a scenario that we haven't seen and that's why we haven't seen how they handle it. But, and I want to believe that they are going to prioritize health and rest because they have this season. So I really want to believe it, but you know, the anxieties. Of course. I mean, it's gotta be um, how early would be too early to rest guys. Don't want to be too rusty for the playoffs. It's a great question. Um, I, I think they'll try to rest them over the course of March not necessarily like I, I think you've you've seen a little bit of it so far, but not necessarily anything egregious. Like they're they're going to try to sit Jokic in all likelihood for uh, maybe one of the back to backs that they play. I don't know if he's going to play in both the Brooklyn and New York back to back. Although he might, like and any of these guys might. But in my mind, that's a great time to rest them. That March 18th, March 19th game, uh, one of those. Uh, you just you just rest a couple of guys that that feel like they need it, uh, and then at to me like you have to clinch first and then rest. Like may, maybe if it feels like you're about to clinch and you've got like okay your your magic number is two with seven games left to go. Okay, you've just got to win two more games and then you're going to be fine. Uh, it might not be that though. It might just be hey, we we were still trying to fight for it uh, a week away. Then maybe that's the maybe they still have to keep playing guys all the way up through that point. But I don't. I just don't think that's going to happen, Jen. I really do think that these guys are going to take a little bit of a break here. And there is a way to do it even without resting them full time, right? Just like we saw in a couple of games this season, in the Rockets game, for example, where you get a good lead and then you let the bench kind of cook and see what you have in Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. And, you know, what's working in that second unit, let your guys rest a little bit in the second half. That's still a form of rest in, in my book. 
Fully agree. Fully agree. And it's, it's the, the best way, like I, it's, it's one of the things that I was, I was so upset with about the team both last year and at the beginning of this year, like, look, you guys can rest in the game if you get up by 25 and then hold the 25 point lead. Like they, they right. would get up so often in these games and then just give up the lead by being apathetic. So like it, yeah. it is what it is, but uh, hopefully I, it does seem like they've learned their lesson there. And it's, it's not as much a, it's not a, a stressor for Michael Malone as it was last year, especially, but uh, either way, let's move to NBA storylines now. In the comments, share share your NBA storylines for the rest of the season. Stuff that you are you are looking forward to. Uh, Jenna, I, I don't know about. Oh, you've got one here. I do. I have a question for you because um, this storyline feels like it's just you know never going to end. So you probably know where I'm going, Ryan. But do you think that in order for Nicola's MVPs to hold value um he has to win it he has to translate that to the postseason and win a championship or is he devaluing the award because he has not won a championship yeah I I to me like I know what Jokic's value is for me personally it will never be tied to winning a title I think that he is going to go down as a top 15 player all time or so because he wins a championship because I think he is going to do it and and the Nuggets are going to do it either this year or in in a couple of these years down the line I do think it is going to happen so I, I just don't have any of those same concerns that a lot of people do I think a lot of them are more focused on hey okay so is he gonna be Steph Curry who won his championships and then like he he proved that during a run where he was winning a lot of MVPs is it going to be Giannis where Giannis failed a couple of times and then in the year that he didn't get the MVP for this it would be Jokic's third MVP instead is that the year that he's going to break through and actually win it I think that he could be either of those guys and I I guess there's a possibility that he never wins like I I don't want to like if Jamal no. goes down or if Mike goes down or Aaron Gordon goes down and they face the Suns and like Kevin Durant goes off for 40 a night, like it's hard. Sometimes, sometimes you just run into a really good team. No, a hundred percent. I guess I don't mean will Nicola's value not, you know, is his value less. I mean, is the award of MVP less valuable if he mm-hmm. doesn't go win? And is him winning it, is he devaluing the award because he says he doesn't care about the award? Because that's the national narrative that I continue to hear is that, you know, he's ruining the game of basketball because he just doesn't care. And he's just, you know, and I think of it like, dang, he's so good at it. He can just like not even care. But I don't think he doesn't care in that way. You know what I mean? So maybe put some context around when we say he doesn't care about it. Like what he does care that he won it, right? Yeah, he cares at least a little bit. I think I think it's a nice reminder of how good he is, how capable he is. Um, just in general, like he he wants to like. I think he would trade both of his MVPs right now for a chance to win a title if if it if it could happen. But yeah. it's not like it's a like he he always says this. Oh, it's nice. It's nice to to have this thing. Like uh, that's that's my that's my Jokic impression. But uh, he, I don't think he. Uh, 
he's as focused on it, singularly focused on it as so many, so many other stars in the NBA today. Perk and Richard Jefferson and guys like that on ESPN were talking about how it is a it is a an honor to be able to get something like this. And for I think a lot of those guys, and I think a lot of people at ESPN, they want the tearful Kevin Durant, you uh, to real MVP to his mama uh, kind of speech. They want that. They want that marketability. They want those moments. They want people to cherish the history of the game in that way. And Jokic just, I don't think he really does that. I think he cares about the history of the game, but he doesn't feel his need to impart that as as just part of it. Like, I think he would prefer to win titles. And, and maybe if he did win titles, he would kind of go backwards and do that instead. But yeah. I don't know, Jenna. Like, I think, I think if, uh, to me, I think the MVPs are devalued in general because so many people are devaluing the regular season in general. <laughs> It's a regular season MVP. And for Nikola Jokic, who plays and cares and is very functional and just never really has bad games, it's really easy for him to win the MVP because he's good all the time. And so many other guys just have these moments throughout the, the regular season where they go through slumps and they go through low points. And like even Embiid tonight, he was minus 16 and Luca and, and Kyrie Irving went off in Dallas and the night before. Philly blew out Miami. Like they blew them out without Embiid. I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I think that they're like every, every player has flaws. I just don't think that Jokic has as many as anybody else right now. Yeah. Long convoluted answer for sure. <laughs> um, okay. Everybody else, do you, do you have uh, other major storylines that we should go over? Uh, in my mind, I think that uh, I think that the biggest NBA storyline right now, to me, is where the Warriors and the Lakers finish in that Western Conference playoff picture. The Warriors have played really well. They have shown what they can do. Uh, they know how good they are when they get to the playoffs. It's just about kind of getting themselves there and putting themselves into that position where they can succeed. Uh, very few teams have ever beat Steph, Clay, and Draymond in a playoff series before. And to me, I, that that level of confidence that you have as a veteran team, that's that's something that stands out. Uh, and then obviously you do the the betting show with some Lakers fans. And and mm -hmm. I think they they seem pretty confident in the the version of the team that they have right now that doesn't have Russell Westbrook, right? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, and the difference between the fifth seed and the 11 seed where the Lakers are right now is, is not that much, you know, I'm looking at uh, three and a half games back. So yeah. it is a little bit scary when you think about it in those terms. And I guess they still have hope because of the fact that they're only three and a half games back and that's the fifth seed. Right. So um I think both those teams, I mean, you have to be nervous about them because of the names on the team, right? But one thing that I've been spending a lot of time doing, you know, is looking at the at the past and trying to see what um, correlations we can find in every, you know, the last 10 years of NBA championships to apply to current day. And I don't typically like to use analytics to apply you know predict the future i like to look at how they uh, 
apply and verify what's happened in the past. And one thing that we see is, you know, you do need a top, a top uh, 10 ish, you know, 11th place, 12th place kind of can fly, but defense, it needs to be top 10 it needs to be up there. And that's one thing that actually the Lakers in their moves to get Vando um, in particular for me, feel like they improved in that area. Um, if you look over their last 12 games or since the trade, it, their numbers have improved. Their defensive rating is like 12th in those games since the trade. So there is an improvement there. And then, of course, you add in LeBron James in the mix. And, of course, you, like, I'm, I'm yes, I'm scared. I'm, I'm terrified if, that, if, they make it in, if they make it into the playoffs, that would be terrifying. But um, right now I just kind of have to live with uh, – you're not, you know, just get your ticket to the playoffs. You guys aren't even in the game. You're not even in the arena yet. So I try to just quelch my fears that way, you know. No, a hundred percent. I think uh, Alejandro made a really nice message out for you. So uh, super you cool, that. super sweet. Um, yeah, and I think I think the Lakers wow. in general, they are they are just very. Um, full of themselves and the, like Lakers fans are very full of themselves and they just believe that everything in general will work out for them if they want it to. Uh, they've got to win the play in. They've got to get into that point. LeBron is still like they, they, the uh, thing that they had, the update that they had that the Lakers shared today said, Hey, we're going to check back in three weeks on LeBron mm-hmm. and see if he's good to go. That's a long time. Like that's half of the rest of the games. And that's going to be like, yeah eight to nine to 10 games in all likelihood before he comes back. And that's a long time to be out. Uh, if this team is going to try to make an actual run into that play in tournament. So yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to see what it looks like. We're going to see if Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell, when he comes back and, and guys like that, if they can actually carry the day, but uh, the Lakers do have a favorable schedule in general. So that's why you can't really count them out fully, but I don't know. Like, Dame's playing out of his mind right now at the bottom of the West. Like he, he could potentially carry the Blazers all the way through. And if Zion comes back at any point, he could carry the Pelicans all the way through. So all these teams have talent. It's just about like, like is LeBron and Anthony Davis, are those the two most talented guys in that group? I don't know. Maybe I think Dame's really good. Dame's playing great right now. Like I think he could yeah, be a he- first team guard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I do think one factor that you have to take into account this season is it's been a long time. And I don't know if I can remember a year, a season where we've had this many superstars in the West in particular. Like they're really heavy out here. So it could be a season, you know, I can tell you like historically fifth, historically fourth through eight seeds in the Western conference, get bounced in the first round over years of time. That is consistent in the West, in the East, you, you could be a four or five seed and you could make it uh, um, to the conference finals, even to the NBA finals, but not in the West, not in the West. Now that could, I mean, history tells us the past and it's made to be broken. You know, that's why we have record setters every year and you have, a potentially a five seed Golden State Warriors team. It's hard for me. Yes, history like makes me want to 
trust that now they're not going to move on past the first round because that doesn't typically happen. But it's still an outrageously stacked fifth seat, you know, and that's where the worry comes in. And not to mention fourth seeded sons, like shout out to the Kings who are just like, who are just holding on for dear life up there, trying to do their best to, to scratch and claw and avoid being passed up by these superstar teams in the, in the Suns and the, and the Warriors that I think everybody is picking to win a series against them in general. So I, yeah. I want the Kings to do well. Like as long as it's not against the Nuggets, I, I want the Kings to go as far as they can go. That team deserves great things to happen to it. The, the Lakers do not deserve great things happening to them. They've got a whole franchise history that they can look back upon and think, okay, we've done great. They just won a title in 2020. That was three years ago. Like it, it is a, to me, like the Kings, if they, if they can hold on, if they can win a series or two, like that would be super cool. Yeah. Don't believe the narrative or the storyline that you'll hear about how, it, you know, the, the league needs the Celtics and the Lakers in the finals to be relevant. That's not true. It's just not, not in this day in media, not when there's so many different ways to get your information and to watch your games. So, you know, Nuggets Nation rides hard. You know, I think we need to just trust in what we know about this team, Ryan. You know, despite all the noise that's going to be around us, let's take a page out of Jokic's book and, you know, silence the noise. Let's just watch, enjoy, live in the moment, and enjoy Nikola Jokic playing basketball. And Jamal Murray, you know, Jamal Murray's cooking, MPJ's cooking. It's a fun team to watch. I don't care what yeah. anybody tells me. It's it's crazy that you get some of these storylines sometimes with people that are like, oh man, the, the Nuggets, they, they're just kind of boring. They're kind of kind of dumb. Like I, 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 we hear that all the time, like just, just in, in general circles. But anybody that knows basketball knows that you got to love this Nuggets team. And Hopefully they can continue to grow. Hopefully they continue to show that to the rest of the league. I, I, they've been at the top of the West. They, they shouldn't have to prove anything. But, I mean, when you when you are in this position and you've lost a couple times, then they're, they're going to have their doubters. So hopefully they can silence those folks. But until then, we're going to have to deal with that dumb stuff. Do uh, you care about the East at all? I don't really care. I mean – I feel like the East, they already have it set. They think it's Boston or bust, you know? Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, like any of those three makes it. I'd, I'd be I'd be surprised if it wasn't Boston at this point, just the way that they're playing. But, I mean, hell, Giannis could do it. Like they're, they're playing really well. They've won 16 in a row, right? Like I, I feel like the Bucks, oh, man, the Bucks should probably be the favorite, if I'm being honest. Winning 16 in a row is hard. It is really, really hard. Yeah. They, they may have the best player in the world uh, as, as much as I love Yo. Yeah, it's possible that, you know, Boston peaked too early. Yeah, that's very, that with very true. Yeah. They, are, they are super well-rounded, though. I, I was really impressed watching them against Cleveland uh, last night. It just, it just feels like they're going to generate an open shot pretty much every single time. That, dude, that Jason Tatum decides that he doesn't want to shoot a contested two. Like, as long as that happens, then they're going to generate an open shot every time down the floor. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Todd Houston says uh, Nuggets versus Bucks. I, I think that that would be great. Uh, it would be a lot of fun if, if that was a final series. I'd be going to war with Giannis. Like, that would be 
gosh, I can't imagine like AJ's chest is going to look like it's got a, it's got an indent in it from all the times that Giannis is putting a shoulder into his chest. Like, Ouch. man, oh my gosh. But I mean, well, it, it would be a great matchup. And honestly, Joker could do the same thing to Brooke Lopez. <laughs> so hopefully that, uh, hopefully those guys go back and forth, but um, yeah, we'll Anthony leave really on the- taking the, taking the NBA international, if that's the matchup, right? Oh yeah. That's the way to do it. Like, I mean, honestly, that's a, uh, this, this nationalistic versus international kind of takes that have been going on lately. Uh, I know you saw the thing about Draymond, like where he said that international stars have, have kind of gotten it easy when it comes to criticism. I really don't believe that. I really don't believe that based off of what we've watched from Jokic and, and what we've heard about Jokic over the course of these past couple weeks. Like it's just been brutal. So I don't know. I think that if, if you could get Bucks Nuggets, that would be so fun. It would be so, so fun. Absolutely. Anything else you want to hit on before we, uh, before we head out of here? Mm, I do think it's going to be a big deal if Philly doesn't make it either. I think Joel Embiid ends up being, uh, you know, maybe asking for a trade at, at some point if, that, if they can't do something big in this postseason. I think they have a lot of pressure on them as well. But, you know... I'm like John Moran. I'm not worried about anybody in the West. I'm, I should say I'm not worried about anybody in the East because that's actually how I yeah. feel. I'm not worried about anybody in the East. It's the West that's terrifying me. Like just to get to the NBA finals, you have to go through so much harder of a route to get there. You know, it makes me wonder if no matter what happens, whatever West team gets there because they will have probably had longer series you know, they might end up losing just because of that. So it, it could affect the outcome, but we'll have to see. I think we're, we're really looking ahead at a really good uh, playoffs. Oh yeah. Like this, this West is going to be wild. I'm hoping that Denver gets a good matchup in the first round and they can potentially go five games with some team or something like that. But every matchup after that, Six eyes or uh, six six games, seven games, whatever it's going to be. Like it's just going to be, it's going to be dramatic, is what it really will be, and it, it'll be a be an interesting time. But in general, uh, like man, going to be fun, going to be exciting. Uh, Jenny, you've been spectacular. Uh, thank you for hopping in with me today. Uh, Michael, can you hit that outro music for us? Uh, for everybody else, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Make sure to go follow Jenna over on her socials. She does great work on uh, the social side, on the betting side, nugget side, everything that you want from a media reporter. She's got it. Uh, Jenna, thank you so much for hopping in. Anything to plug before you head out? No, just head over there and follow and stay tuned for more behind the scenes content. Jenna does the great behind-the-scenes content. She's got the respect of the players down pat. It's uh, it's great to see. Everybody, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.